Welcome to Unprofessional and Unprepared, our lighthearted weekly conversation about sports, life, fatherhood, and whatever else comes up with no script and no preparation. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and this week we celebrate a first for our little show. Tonight we are recording for the very first time in person, properly distanced, and mostly vaccinated. <laughs> we will discuss opening day, the close of the NCAA tournament, and the Muppets. I'm here together for the very first time tonight with two of the best ever. Tommy Burke is here. Hey, Gerbs. This is awesome. Thanks for having me. You bet, buddy. Phil Denko is here as well. Hi, Gerbs. Thanks for having me. This is by far the greatest in-person pod I've ever been a part of. (laughs) (laughs) Tom, let's start with you tonight. Although the specific sources remain unknown, and the possible sources, like charged particles interacting with the upper atmosphere, remain in dispute, The science world this week recognized a major find when astronomers discovered x-rays emanating from Uranus. Were you surprised by the findings, and what do you think it means for those closest to you? (laughs) Well, I'm always surprised by any findings in my Uranus. Um, But uh, (laughs) being in person makes this harder. (laughs) <laughs> uh, with this question because I actually said. have to look at you. Yes, it does. <laughs> I know nothing about this, these findings, but uh, it sounds very interesting. For all of the thought and effort we put into these shows, we make sure we always keep it a little bit lowbrow. So <laughs> a, a Uranus joke is impossible <laughs> yeah. to pass by, Done. in my opinion. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but let's go ahead and, and jump into our first segment. We'll stay at home, talk some Cleveland sports. Happy day. The Major League Baseball season has started. The Tribe is in the middle of its opening weekend. They are who we thought they were. I still think it's probably important to take a few moments to really overreact to what we've seen so far (laughs) in two Major League Baseball games. So, Phil, scale of one to five. One being the feeling of waking up in the morning to the sound of birds. Five being the feeling during the dream you have about being late for an exam in a college class 20 years ago. How panicked should we be about the Cleveland Indians right now? 2.25. You know, we're two games in, and they look just dreadful on the offensive side like we thought they would and it's one of those things I, I've always contended in even in the the better years with Tito if you get to the end of May and you're hovering around 500 couple games below couple games over you're in it in in our division I think they've got a lot of stuff that uh they're working out like April is still spring training I think you know certainly we've got infielders playing outfield positions uh, the guy that won the first base job didn't even start in the opening game. I mean, that That's another thing. They got to get some offense somewhere. And if these guys aren't cutting it, I, I hope by the end of April, they're still hovering around 500 at that point. We've got the pitching staff. The pitch, the pitching staff has looked good, to be honest with you. We've got some potential moves early on in the season that might bolster the offense. But you got to give these guys 30 to 40 games and hope that they have at least 20 wins in there, you know? Should the fans be worried about the following set of statistics, all of which, by the way, are 100% true? Shane Bieber's ERA during a blizzard is 18. Fran Mill Reyes ended his career record for consecutive games without a strikeout at one. Roberto Perez is leading the team in every major offensive category. And did not, we did not see that one coming. Should fans be worried about those statistics? After two games, I don't believe we should be worried about those. Bieber actually had a nice outing. He made a horrible pitch in the first inning. Once the blizzard ended. 
Yeah. He was actually really, really good, right? <laughs> Very might, true. might be the last blizzard okay. he pitches. Right. Right. I guess, yeah. right. Probably I, not something you're going to see in yeah. June or July, right? right? I guess that part of it is uh, correct. He actually did very well. Obviously, he um, had 12 strikeouts, and I, I believe he set some kind of record for opening day. Between two years, he had you know 26 strikeouts in opening days, which is some kind of record. Can't be verified. I believe it can, but... Uh, <laughs> Not, not, not tonight. Not right now. <laughs> uh, not at the moment. Uh, the, the the status department is, uh, I think they're out partying. It's um, Easter, Tom. Right. They're at home they're at uh, hiding eggs. <laughs> uh, yeah, we definitely don't need Roberto Perez being our top offensive star. Let's go ahead and hope that uh, we have something else in the future. To be fair, Eddie Rosario is tied with him in some of those categories. Sure. They both have one home run and they both have two RBIs. Yeah. So it, when, when there's really small numbers like this, it's kind of easy to keep track. Um, so the stat department's all over that. Roberto had, I think, another hit and a walk today. He got on base a couple he times. So he, well, two years ago, he had a very good offensive year that nobody expected. I mean, that was ridiculous. That was not anything that anybody would expect so if he can even do half of what he did what would he put he put up 20 some home runs that year obviously we don't expect that for him to possibly even do half of that this year let's let's say we get you know 10 to 12 home runs from him even if he hits 250 or you know whatever you know we're lucky if we get him at 200 so if if he's contributing even a little bit at the end of the lineup that would that would be great He's not the problem. The problem is the rest of the lineup. They need to start contributing. Fran Mill has been awful so far. He got his first hit today. That's, you know, again, we're going off two games. Um, so it's hard to to really sit here and criticize. But, again, you know, he hasn't looked good yet. And uh, to lose two to Detroit. Yeah, not great. I'm not looking at Detroit as being one of the top teams in the American League. So that's that's it's not good to come out and lose two. We understand. It's only two games. There's yeah. 160 more of these. If they won all 160 <laughs> of their remaining <laughs> games, like they'd be the best team anybody had ever seen even, in baseball. Even, 100, so. even just 100 of them. We, right. don't, we don't have to ask for the, the – just 100 is good. <laughs> yeah. You can lose one here and there. Yeah, It's kind of a weird start to the year because I think it's – it's a Detroit team that we don't think is that great, but the Indians are kind of performing how we're afraid they would perform, which is they're not scoring many runs. The starting pitching has actually been really, really solid. We're recording on uh, Saturday night, so the bullpen this afternoon was pretty shitty. Like, yeah, they were bad yeah, today. Yeah, they were. But there are still some really live arms in that bullpen, man, and we're marching out three or four guys who can throw in the high 90s. That's a pretty cool thing to have in the bullpen that we haven't necessarily seen a lot of in Cleveland, I, I don't know, the last 10 years? I mean, I don't, I don't know if we've ever yeah. seen probably a bullpen that, that marches that. guys out like that. I don't that. think we ever like that. that, no. But it's only two games, so maybe uh, – I, I don't want to go all Bruce Drennan on you guys <laughs> and tell you, to, tell you to try to calm down, but it could be all right. For two games, the center field circus has certainly been in play. Jordan Luplo started game one. Unfrozen caveman center fielder <laughs> Ben Gamble started game two today. As of recording this – Neither one of them has a batting average yet, but we have not seen our shortstop yet in center field. So any opinions on center field play so far? I found it interesting today that Gamble also hit leadoff. What are you doing with this lineup when you're not putting a guy that is a proven base hitter yeah. at the leadoff position? be it Hernandez or any number of these these other guys that at least can can hit the ball. Wasn't it Bauer in game one? It was. It was Bauer in game one and uh, Gamble today. And 
So the the defensive side of it aside, which is two games in, two different center fielders, that's not great. <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is this is the captain of your outfield, right? Like that not not a great sign. I wonder if to get Rosario's bat in the lineup, if it is that much better, if we don't see that sooner than later, and he starts working on his uh, drop step mid game, <laughs> yeah. you know, in the middle of a, a major league <laughs> baseball season, it's not been great to say the least. I, I looked up the stats from game one and on CBSSports.com. I'm not sure if this was a mistake or if it was just telling. They had the lineup from game one including the pinch hitters, and they had all their stats for the entire game. None of the players were listed as center field. They listed everybody as either <laughs> left field or right field. And it's got to be a mistake because I know that somebody was playing center field. But I think it was also fairly accurate right. that we didn't really have a true center fielder. And I'm not sure we have one yet. And I'm not sure there is an answer there yet. Uh, at least in game one, we got one inning of the Karen check experience. And we got a little bit of everything that we thought we would. He pitched the top of the ninth in the first game. Uh, his first batter struck out looking. Then he got a weak pop out. Then he walked a batter. And then he got the third out of the inning with a screaming line drive to left for an out. How do you feel about Karen Check coming out of the bullpen late in the game? <laughs> he's always going to drive me a little nuts because he's just constantly flipping that ball to himself and doing the whole thing. His whole just routine drives me crazy. But at the same time, he looked okay. He's got a ridiculous curveball. If he actually has the curveball going, he's unhittable. He's got a nice fastball. If he can spot the fastball and then use that curveball basically as his out pitch, he'll be okay. The problem is with him is the consistency. If he's not on and he's not hitting with his fastball and hitting spots, uh, nobody's going to really care about that curveball that is unhittable. you got to get ahead of hitters. And again, you know, he walked the guy the other day, like you said, you know, if he's if he's putting guys on um, and getting into to problems, you know, that's going to be an issue. You got to hope that he's basically spotting his fastball and then use that curveball to get guys out and, and don't put guys on because we, we know how that goes in Cleveland with with our closers. They love putting guys on in the ninth and making our lives very interesting. I want to see these guys, and, and it hasn't happened yet, two games into the season. I want to see Karen Check and, and Again, two Klein. games yeah, into right. the year. Yeah. I get it. Yeah. It hasn't I'll, happened yet. I want to see I want to see Karen Check. I really want to see it in game three. Yeah, 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 they yeah. show it in game three. I feel more comfortable for the next 159. I, I want to see Karen Check and Classe take the mound with a one or two run lead. Yeah. What, what happens then? That's a completely different approach, a different mindset. If that kind of pressure leads Karen check to walking three guys before he retires a guy that that's a problem. And that's what we have to see. I think is all right. Trot these guys out there when we have a one run lead, a two run lead, which, you know, let's hope that happens sooner than later. <laughs> I don't, I'm not sure we've led yet. No, we haven't. not at all. No, we have not. The we entire not. 2021 yeah. season. Yeah. We have not led. Yeah. It's way too early to be making any decisions. Uh, I think overall, the only thing that, I take away from watching these first two games is they are who we thought they were. The starting pitching looked really good. Bieber made one mistake in a blizzard. Plesek had one kind of touch and go inning today. And then he was really solid yeah, and, was. and pitching ahead of hitters, getting ground balls when he needed to. It was a, it was a good performance by him. I really have some confidence in the bullpen long-term. I, I think there's some good pitchers out there. But they didn't show it today. And so at least right now, Indians are on pace to lose every single game this season. But I predict, 
<laughs> I predict they're going to be able to turn that tide. But let's step away from the Indians and talk a little Cleveland Browns because the NFL draft is coming up. First round will be in about three weeks on April 29th. This year, the Browns in the first round are picking 26th. And I didn't know if you guys knew this, but this will actually be the first time in the history of the Browns that they picked 26th. Historically, can you guess what is the worst first round spot for the Browns to pick in? 23rd. Phil? First. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, because we've gotten some good first round picks. Tom, I'd like to know why you picked 23 and then I'd like to tell you why you're wrong, but go ahead. Okay, I believe 23rd was where we got Whedon. It was two years in a row and it... I think we got Whedon and also uh, Manziel. You're dancing right around it. Uh, it. It's 22. The Browns have picked 22nd five times in team history. And three of those came in about a four-year period. And they drafted Brady Quinn, Brandon Whedon, and Johnny Manziel at 22. As far as that being the worst possible spot, the only highlight in team history was in 1981. They drafted a cornerback at 22. Any guesses? Frank Menafield. Wrong. Damn it. Hanford Dixon. You're right. 81. I thought he was there earlier than 81. Nope. They they drafted Hanford Dixon in 1981, but otherwise, picks in the late 20s have not been great for the Browns (laughs) overall, and all of those quarterbacks were terrible. So, Phil, do you have a favorite Browns first-round pick? Uh, Sure. Uh, Ozzie Newsome. But to go back to what you were talking about at the 22nd pick, I believe those three you mentioned, that was our second pick in the draft for at least two of those drafts, if not all three of them. So the team was that bad that they already had made a pick in the top five and they got back into the first round to draft 22nd. And and on average, those picks in the top five were not great either. Right, not great. (laughs) But my point being, this year we're drafting in the 20s because it's a good team. We don't have a pick in the top five or 10, and we're hoping to get back in in the low 20s and draft the next starting quarterback or what have you. Uh, you know, finally, we're drafting in the 20s because our record yeah. you know, yeah. determines that. Yeah, we're um, not trying to reach for one of these right. scrubs and hope that right. they, they turn out. And, yeah. and thank God so far, I feel like the Browns could take the field right now without a draft and still field a, a really good team for next year. So we're kind of drafting for, for depth. But yeah, in terms of first round pick, uh, I'll, I'll go with Ozzie Newsome. He was my favorite growing up, and I know he was a first-rounder. He was. Yeah. How about you, Tom? Courtney Brown. (laughs) (laughs) The silent storm. (laughs) Or the quiet storm. The quiet storm, maybe. Silent was probably better. (laughs) Probably about right. (laughs) He was the silent storm. He should have been been silenced. (laughs) (laughs) So do you love micro-fracture surgery, Tom? (laughs) I do. I think I'm, I'm like a big fan. Yes, I'm a big fan of those surgeries. <laughs> big fan of trading him to Denver and whatever the hell we, else we did with him. First round pick. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go Miles Garrett. I, I think yeah. this yeah. is our future. He's a obviously a, a stud. I don't know if you guys have seen some of the latest videos of this guy. This guy is a freak. The guy can, the guy can play basketball. He's dunking balls. Um, like you I can believe. play basketball. Um, no, not like him. Um, <laughs> You haven't uh, seen me play basketball in like 20 years, Tom. How do you that's know? That's true. The last time I saw you play basketball, you threw the ball off the coach's head. Anyways. <laughs> he was asking for it. <laughs> it's a somewhat simplification of the complexity of the play that was happening at the time. However, you are right. He got in the way. The coach's head got in the way. And that's a head that could get in the way. And he was off the court 
again, it's a complicated situation. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have that kind of time yeah, no, I, yeah. to, to yeah. really diagnose we'll, that. We'll dedicate call. a whole pod to that. <laughs> yeah. But no, I, I think he is... Uh, Obviously, a big part of this future, and, and you know we've never won a Super Bowl, so our chances of winning the Super Bowl now are increasing, and we have very good talent. And Miles Garrett is a big, big part of that going forward. So. Hard to argue with with Miles in in that spot. That was really the pick where I think it felt like the team started to turn around because it wasn't drafting Courtney Brown and finding out that he was terrible six games into the season. Like like Garrett was good. Immediately, you always knew that you had something special. There's going to be plenty of time in the next few weeks for us to break down the the picks and the positions and the things that we need. But a lot of people are planning on coming to Cleveland for the draft because it's being held in our hometown. And so I want to try to give these people a couple weeks to plan their weekend in Cleveland for the draft. For a visitor coming to Cleveland, what's the best local beer they're, they're going to find in town. One of my favorites is one that we had tonight, which from Miller uh, Lite. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah. Uh, Miller Lite. Well. I don't know if any of you have uh, heard of it. Um, <laughs> if you haven't, you should check it out. It's amazing. Um, you can get them in like 12, sixes, whatever. One, one more calorie than yeah. Mick. Yeah, one more, one more calorie. I don't know if you've seen the commercials, but it's one more calorie one than more Mick Lite. Lite. Butcher and Brewer has the Albino Stout, which is outstanding. Good stuff. And it's over there on East 4th. I never go downtown, so I hope everything's back open now. I believe it's back open and they're doing well. But that is a that's an awesome beer. The one thing Cleveland has no shortage of is is craft breweries and the fact that they're putting the draft down by the Cleveland Brown Stadium. In and around the downtown area, places like Masthead, really good. Craft Brews, that's right by Cleveland State. They actually, their flagship beers you can get in grocery stores all over the area, and they're they're good. They're fine. They're, they're good beers. Their shorter-run beers at the actual place, they're phenomenal. You, you can only buy them from the actual brewery in, like, four packs. They are really, really good beers, and it's pretty close to where the draft is, so... Check out Masthead if you're coming to town. What if I'm coming to Cleveland, Tom, and I'm looking for, like, a great meal? You know what? Honestly, downtown, I would go at the same place. Butcher and Brewer actually yeah, has awesome, good, really good awesome food. Their wings and everything down there are outstanding. <laughs> Sadly, I think the last time I went down there was for my 40th birthday, which was... Uh, a decade obviously ago. Obviously, just last year. <laughs> <laughs> but, no, the food was very, very good. East 4th is a great place to go. I think I read that for the draft, on purpose, they're going to line that area with a bunch of food trucks. And there are some really good food trucks in town, too. So, you know, whether you want some food truck tacos or beef tips or whatever, I, I, I would stay up there, hit the food trucks. You go truck to truck. Each one of uh, the, the restaurants in and around the, the near east and west side, a lot of them have food trucks, and they'll just send them down there. So don't leave the area. Hit up the food trucks. At the beginning of the draft, there's going to be a red carpet. What are you wearing? Uh, nothing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to give everybody a big thrill. What is it, a weigh-in? Uh, is it a weigh-in? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to bring my scale. That's what I'm actually doing my weigh-in on the red carpet. If anybody has a problem with that, I'm just feeling, listen, I can't wear the clothes when I weigh in. Yeah. Yeah. Mel Kuyper Kuyper will announce that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right, fellas, with that, why don't we go ahead and take our first break and we'll come back afterwards and head out on the road. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. Tammy, I'm getting really sick of something. Ugh, what's that? The kids? No. Well, maybe a little. But really... 
I'm getting sick and tired of all this hair right on the top of my head. It's everywhere up there and it's really bugging me. Jason, I think I know what you need. You do? What? You need Just for Danko Miracle Hair Remover. What? A hair remover? How does that work? It's easy. Rub Just for Danko Miracle Hair Remover on the top of your head and watch your hair disappear. Holy cow. A product like that must be really expensive. You would think, but you would be wrong. For less than the cost of two haircuts, you can be really bald every day. Should I try it? Hells yeah, baby. Other than your face, your body, and your height, Just for Denko Miracle Hair Remover will have you looking like Dwayne The Rock Johnson in no time. Just for Denko Miracle Hair Remover for men. Sick of hair? Grab some Denko. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. Let's head out on the road and talk first about news in big time Major League Baseball contracts. Our boy Francisco Lindor signed his deal that I think we all knew was eventually coming from the Mets. 10 years, $341 million. He'll be 38 when the deal is done. Good move or the only move for the Mets to make? Only move. It may turn out to be a good move ultimately. At 38, is he going to be the player he is now? No. No, that's not going to happen. Are you getting six to seven years of this guy's prime? Yeah, you probably are. So if he stays healthy, it's the only move for the Mets to make. What's interesting about Francisco Lindor is I don't know if he's a top 20 guy in the game right now. I, I like to think that he is. And and maybe these next few years will prove that he is. And the Mets certainly hope that he is, given what they're paying him. He's had just as many really good seasons as really bad seasons so far in his career. Uh, so we'll see what these next few years hold. But I, I think it's the only move for the Mets to make. This is a guy that, you, all right, we're going to lock him up. He's the face of our franchise. And we're hoping that he's a stud middle infielder until he's at least 32. So Tom, how would you compare the Lindor deal to the Tatis Jr. deal, which is roughly the same money and the same time. Tatis is younger, right? Tatis is wildly younger. Way younger. Yes. Tatis is 22. Yeah. So you're talking 22 to 32 compared to 28 to 38. I'm on board with the Tatis deal. The Lindor deal, I get it because you're the Mets and you're in New York. So you're going to make that deal. But at the same time, it's great short term. You know, Jose Ramirez, three out of the last four years, has been in the MVP running. Lindor never was. Right. So while he's very good, he's already getting into his late 20s. I would take Tatis a million times over, take that same deal. Yeah, you know, I think it's an interesting way to to look at the deals because the teams just approach them from different places. San Diego said, we've seen a small sample of Tatis and we're willing to bet on his future for 10 years. And in so doing, we're going to wrap up more prime years. And the Mets are saying, we've seen Lindor prove over multiple seasons that he can play at a really high level. I mean, I think that in the last like five years for shortstops, he's number one in home runs, number one in extra base hits, number two in RBIs or something. So he is the best hitter at his position in the last five years. It's a little bit more of a known commodity. You're buying into it knowing that you're taking bad years at the end of that contract. And I think what worries me about with Lindor long-term is that he plays shortstop. Like some of these other real long-term deals are for outfielders or first baseman, DHs, something like that. Shortstop is a position where your abilities are going to diminish as you enter your 30s for sure. That's a really hard position to play. I like the Tatis deal a lot because he was so young. 
and and you don't you just don't have that anymore. Another big deal, obviously, in the offseason was a Trevor Bauer deal. He pitched game two for the Dodgers. Six innings, four earned runs. He had 10 strikeouts. Was the Bauer contract a huge mistake? No. Um, <laughs> Bauer took a no-hitter into the sixth inning and then gave up four runs <laughs> after giving up a hit. As And, and Bauer is plugged into exactly what's going on. He knows he's throwing a no-hitter. You know, he knows yeah. everything he's doing, right? And so when that gets into the, the last third of a game and then it's broken up, the wheels kind of fall off a little bit. And at that time, they had a comfortable lead. I believe they were up like 8 nothing. you know, when he gave up the yeah. first hit. Yeah, that was the thing. Like, yeah. he gave up a bunch of runs, and the Dodgers still won that game by like 7. We know Trevor Bauer. Like, that's a guy that, okay... I can no longer get a no-hitter, so I'm going to kind of mess around a little bit and see if I can get these guys out. And if I don't, no big deal. We're up 8 nothing, right? Trevor Bauer is a Cy Young caliber pitcher in the middle of his prime, in my estimation. So I feel like that deal for him was, this is this is what could give a, a team like the Dodgers get over the hump. Like, you, you, you can string together some really good starting pitching now. You're, you're coming off a World Series win. Let's, let's see if we can get another couple, you know? The, the yeah. crazy thing about the Dodgers is... Bauer takes a no-hitter six innings into the game with like an eight-run lead, coughs up some runs, leaves the mound, and David Price is the yeah. guy that comes yeah. in and yeah. relieves him. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like another guy with a side young. I mean, Crazy. it's you know, like you can't make up teams like the Dodgers on a video game. They're fine. Trevor Bauer's fine. <laughs> Tatis Jr. has, for the entire 2021 season, one hit. Are oh. you sure he's not a bust? <laughs> You know, I'm getting concerned. Those were two long games, as much as 18 innings, I believe. <laughs> at least. At least 18 At least 18 innings. At a minimum right? of 18, yeah. So don't give him the money. You wish you can get that money back. But, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, you've already done it. He's already signed it. So I guess you got to kind of hope that he can turn around the next, you know, 160 games. <laughs> two of the big contracts that we always talk about are the Pujols, and Cabrera contracts. Pujols hit a home run in yesterday's game. Cabrera had a home run in the opening game. Cabrera looks really good. He looks like he's lost a ton of weight. Pujols seems to be swinging the bat okay. Think of which of those older guys nearing the end of those long contracts do you think has a chance to be productive this season? Well, until this very second, I had no idea that Pujols was actually playing this year. <laughs> That's an interesting question. I, th I think Pujols, his production this year is way more important to his team than Cabrera's is to his. Be because of where their, their teams are. Like the, the Angels are trying to compete for a championship, right? The Tigers, they are trying to compete to finish second to last in our division, I think. I think Miggy looks better so far in two games of, of the season, but the Angels need something out of Pulhos to put this all together. You, you know, if they're going to compete in that division, it, it needs to be more than Mike Trout. And if Pulhos finds something at the very end of his career, uh, great. Uh, I'll be surprised. Berkey, what do you think? Pujols Cabrera. Which guy has the chance to be the most productive this year? I just feel really bad for Mike Trout. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if Pujols produced so that Mike Trout had one other bad in yeah. the lineup? Yeah. The guy's really good, and unfortunately, his future doesn't look bright on the Angels. They keep trying to bring guys in, and it's just it's not working. Um, it actually kind of makes me ill 
that uh, I remember when Pujols took on that contract, and now it's ending. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I that feel like it was, it was like yesterday that he yeah, right. got that contract. <laughs> we we so, were old when he signed that contract. Yes. And 10 years And now I'm by. really, really old. <laughs> so um, I'm ill to think that this contract is already over because I remember thinking it was ridiculous when he signed it, and it felt like yesterday, and now all of a sudden it's ending. Cabrera does look actually very good this year. It's two games again. Again, it's two games. games. (laughs) But, you know, he looks like he's in better shape. And he looks, I don't know if it's because Hinge is there now managing and he feels like maybe they have a, I don't know, a shot. I don't know what it is. But he's gotten himself in shape. He actually looks like he's ready to play. He's made some nice plays in the last, you know, in two games. But he's also hitting very well. So maybe he's ready to go this year because the last few years, he hasn't looked like a guy who's wanted to really play. Yeah. He doesn't look like oh, a guy yeah. who wants to be out there. I yeah. think I think he still I think Cabrera still has two or three years yeah. left on his I, contract. Well, if he wants to keep himself in shape and that, you know, the way he, yeah. he is right now. And like I said, he's he's made nice plays. He's he's hitting the ball already. He, know, he looks better this year again, in two games. Uh, you know, <laughs> everything has to be said well, with, listen, with this man, two games. But he looks good. Yeah, he looked overweight with no bat speed yeah. for three seasons. Yeah. Right. All right, so fellas, let's depart Major League Baseball and hit the Final Four a little bit for the NCAA Men's Tournament. We spent dinner and several beers watching an absolutely terrible Baylor versus Houston game. Baylor smoked them. Baylor's in the championship. As we are recording, the Gonzaga-UCLA game is tied with about 15 minutes left. Can UCLA win this game? Absolutely. They've been a surprise the whole tournament. I'm actually not even sure how they're in this game because Gonzaga has just been such a complete team. The way they move the ball, they're just really, really good. How UCLA has come from being the one of the first four in, playing in the play-in game to the final four is just a miracle. Give a lot of credit to their coach. Gonzaga has looked so ridiculously good. They've had double-digit wins in yeah. every game for the last 20 games, I think. This is surprising. So it's but thank God it's you know finally we have a good game. Yeah. It's fun to watch. Phil, what do you think? Can UCLA pull this game out, run the table? I kind of hope so. I, I hope so now because of everything that Burke just said. Like this is UCLA is an eleven seed. No one saw this coming, and as crazy as this tournament has been, everyone's looking at Baylor-Gonzaga in the championship game, and no matter how we got here, it's what everyone thought we would see, right? I would love to see UCLA win this game. There's 15 minutes left. That's a lot of time. They're playing a really good game so far. Stranger things have happened. I I still feel like we're going to see Gonzaga and Baylor in in that championship game. Let's jump into the time machine, and instead of going back, let's go forward. Championship game is Monday night. Tuesday morning, you wake up, turn on your phone. What's the ESPN headline? Um, we wish this tournament never happened. <laughs> How about a winner? <laughs> Best oh. headline ever. <laughs> I still think uh, Gonzaga comes out the uh, overall winner. Gonzaga undefeated team I runs the table. Un- undefeated the team finally gets it all, and I think it's going to happen, so. How about you, Phil? Tuesday morning, you wake up. What's the headline about the tournament? The good bet here is Gonzaga wins it all, runs a table, first team to do it in a long time. Tuesday morning headline is is just that, I think. I think Gonzaga runs a table, wins it all, and this podcast has 32 listeners. That's, That's a great it. little boost for That's us. That's in the I headline? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, we, we follow Mike Greenberg. Yeah. I yeah. That's a long headline. <laughs> Michael Jordan, Derek Jeter, Tiger Woods, and Jason Gerber. Best, best, 
What what do uh, these sorry, what do sorry these for laughing. giants in sports have in common? Do you guys all have the same birthday? Wrong. <laughs> um, we've all touched greatness three consecutive times. Oh, the cat tank. Damn it. How did I not see That's that? That's right. That's right. As we confirmed when Gonzaga made it to the Final Four, I once again locked up the cat tank championship as the worst member of our bracket joining other three-time winners consecutively of world titles i'm proud of my accomplishment i'm so proud that i am doing this show in the cat tank which is not distracting at all we still have a fight for actually winning our bracket challenge uh, it looks like it is Tursic and Miller and Shantz, depending on who wins the whole thing, whether it's Baylor or Gonzaga. But honestly, once the cat tank is determined, I'm not sure it matters so much who wins. Uh, I do know that Joe Vaca was in it and had a chance maybe to be in that group that could be in it, depending on how the championship game goes. But he forgot to fill out the part about the score tiebreaker. <laughs> so no matter what happens, Joe is going to lose. Which really it tells you a lot about our group and how seriously... Joe, thanks for your service, brother. <laughs> seriously, we take this whole thing. But with that, gentlemen, why don't we take our final break, get one last fill of bourbon for all of us, and then we'll head off the field. Unprofessional and Unprepared is brought to you by this proud sponsor. Everyone loves day drinking. Am I right? Nothing better before, during, and after a game than a few beers. But what if your few beers turn into 15? If you're an average Joe, it's probably no problem. But what if you are an international podcast guest superstar? Are you worried those few beers might impact your podcast performance that night? Then you need the Berkalyzer, the only breathalyzer designed specifically for podcasters. While normal breathalyzers measure irrelevant, subjective factors like blood alcohol content, the Berkalyzer cuts to the chase and gives you real-time data about how your beers are impacting your hot takes, the length of your stories, and those perfectly timed F-bombs that show your edge. With the Berkalyzer, you never need to worry about being too sober or too drunk before you take the mic. Drink up and pod with the confidence that only the Berkalyzer guarantees. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment. We go off the field, and let's talk first about the Nike Satan shoes. A rapper named Lil Nas X, not to be confused with regular-sized Nas, put out a set of Nikes that had actual human blood in them. And not surprisingly, actual Nike requested an injunction from the court to stop the sale and distribution of their shoes with actual blood in them. We've spent many times and many episodes of this show making jokes about things that we don't get because we're old. But I don't think at 18 or 19 years old, I would have been down with shoes with blood in them. This is a guy actually who has kind of made his living off of kids though his his first song that old town road or whatever it is my kids actually know that song yes and we're big into that song yep so i think he kind of got his fame from working off kids with that and then now all of a sudden he comes out with these shoes with the whole you know devil thing and i don't really care my kids are old enough to where it, it doesn't really matter but they did like his song i don't like the fact that he kind of started out with his whole song that also got commercials and the whole thing kind of brought the, the kid dynamic into it. 
you know, again, my my kids are old enough to wear. It doesn't. So matter. you think Lil Nas X with these shoes is trying to make kids love Satan? I think he's trying to drag them into whatever it is he's trying to sell. My young boys like his original hit, Old Town Road. If you listen to the lyrics of Old Town Road, no child the age of four and should six be listening should be song. listening to that you're song. You're absolutely right. No, you're absolutely right. <laughs> Little what does Nas this X, have to do with the shoes with the I'm, blood in them? I'm getting there. I'm getting okay. there. Little Nas X is an artist, and he's very good at what he does. And he is very comfortable with who he is. He decided that he was going to promote this new song with the satanic flair, what have you. And the idea is that society is telling Little Nas X that he's going to hell because of who he is. And he's like... Why does he got to put blood in shoes? He is using the, the I'm going to hell part of all this as a marketing ploy. And the idea was that he was going to put blood in these uh, Nikes up until so many pairs. And the so, and then at the end, there was going to be like some holy water in the last two pairs or some, some oh. crazy whatever. Do they really have blood in them? I don't know. Nike's pissed off because Little Nas X took a took advantage of a loophole in their system where you can customize your own shoes. We can get on Nike's website right now and and make a Cleveland Browns looking like shoe and put Sendejo on it if we wanted. Sendejo's uh, blood is uh, <laughs> yeah. in the shoe. Well, well then we have can to we guess. Get, I'm buying. We buying. Well, right, right. So, so, so walk with me here. We'd have to receive the shoes. We'd have to receive the I shoes. I will take twenty pairs. Have Alejandro Sendejo in our in our Alejandro com- Sendejo in our in our company. Yeah. And then inject the I blood think into the shoes. It's Ariba Sendejo. It's Ariba. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely, yeah. We're making too much out of something that is, at the end of the day, art. And I understand where Nike's upset, but they let this happen. Is this an available area of marketing for other celebrities? <laughs> Would you buy a pair of running shoes with Dolly Parton's hair in it? Yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> And okay. I will run faster. So everybody knows that Coach K at Duke is a humongous crybaby. Yes. How about basketball shoes with Coach K's tears in them? Yeah. Would no, you purchase those? I will burn those. What about scents? Don't you think George Clooney smells like terrific? Would you buy a pair of shoes? I smell that... just fine. <laughs> would you buy a pair of shoes with George Clooney's scent? Yeah, I would. Tom, you smell just fine. I'm just fine. Thank okay. You. So why don't we move to... I down one now. <laughs> Even a more controversial topic. <laughs> this week, NPR chose to make a ranking of the Muppets. Pop Culture Happy Hour ranked the top 25 Muppet characters, and the characters were pulled from The Muppet Show, Muppet Babies, Fraggle Rock, Sesame Street, and Labyrinth. And I've got serious concerns about some of these rankings. Number one was Kermit. Which I think you can see coming from a mile away. <laughs> Rainbow es- connection. Yeah. Uh, especially because he's in those memes where he's drinking the tea. And that's just, yeah. it's everywhere right now. So it's such yeah. a big deal. I actually don't mind that Kermit yeah. was number one. Yeah, that's why he's number one. But I've got some. Some tea. I've got, well, it's the meme. It's not the tea. <laughs> so here are some of the rankings that I think I, we should discuss. Bert was ranked 23. But oh. Ernie was ranked 18. Oh, 
Bert is clearly the responsible adult one in that group. Ernie is just basically a lunatic with like a bunch of stupid ideas. Ernie honestly would probably be out of the entertainment industry if it wasn't for Bert's steady hand. Do you agree with ranking Bert 23 and Ernie 18? That's a tough question. I don't disagree with it. I think in terms of what pushed the entertainment needle, it was Ernie. Bert definitely kept Ernie in line and did not let him stray from that path of whatever Muppets had to abide by. But I feel like Ernie was the one moving the needle in that relationship, whereas Bert was very funny, but he was the straight man. I, I, I think he, he kind of kept Ernie in line, and uh, I, I would, if I had to rank them, I don't know about their total ranking, like that's kind of weird to me. I would have them both ranked much higher <laughs> together, but I would still have Ernie ranked over Bert. All right. Hey, so, Bert. <laughs> Sam the Eagle was ranked oh, Eagle. 17th. What does it say about patriotism in America that Sam the Eagle doesn't crack the top 10? People hate this country. <laughs> um, Who's Sam the Eagle? A bald eagle. He's just kind of always in like in a sour, pissy mood. Yeah. On the Muppet Show. No. Yes, he was yes. on the Muppets. Yeah, I don't think he's. I don't think he's Sesame Street. I think he's the Muppets. Muppets. No, okay. Muppets. Yeah. yeah, he's the greatest character ever. You would put him ahead of Kermit the fucking Frog. <laughs> All of he is obviously the standard for this country, and everyone should follow his eagle? lead. Is what? he a bald eagle? Yeah. All right. He, so, yeah, he's bald, like you. Right. So, <laughs> bald is bald. well done, Tom. Bald is beautiful. So at number ten. Statler and Waldorf. These were the old guys yeah. in the Muppets that sat oh, in the box. Yeah, the greatest Rose, characters yeah, yeah. of all time. Yeah. Right. And I really have some questions for NPR about the systems they're using where Statler and Waldorf are ranked together, but Bert and Ernie are separated and giving separate ranks. That's a travesty. I, they should be top three. If we're going to group them together, yeah. the two of them together, that's a top three Muppet. I, I'm already a little worried about this ranking, given that NPR decided to include Fraggle Rock and Labyrinth. While they are technically Muppets, would anyone in those two things fall in the top 100? I hope not. I bet they did. But yeah, yeah, those two guys, top three. I respect the 10 ranking for Statler and Waldorf only because like when I was a kid watching the Muppets and I felt like it was real, like I couldn't understand why those guys were pissed off all the time. <laughs> and like as I grew older, I realized like, oh man, those guys are the best. They're hilarious. That's good. So wait a minute, are kids putting this ranking together or adults? Uh, anybody with the internet can do this. All right. Now maybe, um, I'm, maybe I'm way <laughs> off here if it were kids. So last, in the top 10, the biggest travesty of all, Fozzie Bear, Waka Waka. Waka Waka. Number seven, Rolf the Dog is five. Come Tom, on. Tom, can you think of one worthwhile thing Rolf the Dog has done? No. I don't remember him at all. He's awful. And uh, Fozzie the Bear is tops, man. Yeah. He's awesome. Yeah. Uh, my kids used to watch the uh, the Muppet Babies and yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, he's outstanding. Thank you. As a kid, you have a favorite Muppet character? Yeah, I love the Muppets growing up. My favorite Muppet character as a kid was probably Animal because he was the rebel. But in the movies, right. if you remember... Everything hinged on what Animal was doing. Sure. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. For sure. What about you, Tommy? Favorite Muppet as a kid? 
I gotta tell you, I'm I'm in the same boat. I loved Animal because Animal was like he just went crazy. <laughs> Nobody cared what he did. Somehow it still worked into the plot. He and, was you know. he was the Alibaba Sandejo of yes, the <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly correct. Statler and Waldorf were still the thing, man. The old dudes, oh, so they were hilarious. Funny. I loved them. They're funny now. That was they're good. They're now. they're better now than yeah. they were when we were kids. I take, they were great. I take my kids on Disney. They have a thing with the Muppets down there. Oh yeah, and they're up in the the whole thing with like fantastic. You, you, yeah, yeah you, that's cool. you sit in the whole thing, and they're they're behind you, and they still do, make their do they jokes. Rip on you? Oh, it's so awesome. Do they rip on you personally because that Not would be personally. Oh, that's too bad. They should. No, get that would be great. That, yeah, I would like that job. I think <laughs> I, I'd be yeah, really yeah, good at yeah. that job. I would love for them to actually just tear me apart. Yeah, That'd yeah. be great. Like I yeah. walk in, they don't make up on a bald. Oh, it's so great though. They're just they're up there. That would be awesome. All right, fellas, let's move on from NPR's flawed Muppet rankings (laughs) and close out the show talking about Tommy and his weight loss. Tommy, where are we at this week? Uh, We're at 35 pounds. All right, so another two pounds this week. Yes, sir. Man, you're looking good. Again, we're doing this in person for the first time ever, and I can tell you, like, I can see a difference, man. It's really important as you go through this process and the, the weight loss journey starts to go from weeks to months to to multiple months and on that you continue to kind of mix up the workouts you're doing and mix up the things you're doing to like make sure your body's always working as best it can. So I'm really glad to see that you're combining some of your passions with your workouts Mm -hmm. and getting back to your rhythmic gymnastic floor routines. Um, Which Mr. Mr. Song are you using for your current rhythmic dancing gymnastic routines broken wings is definitely the one that i <laughs> i really uh i love to use just to float I, I just float through the air um when i listen to that song i wish that everybody was there so i can just hold them um while i do it but that is that is really beautiful but fellas this has been on record the longest podcast we've ever recorded <laughs> But we are out of time, and I am out of questions for now. I want you guys to have a great week, and I hope we can get together just like this again real soon. Thanks, Kurt. sudden it's ending what was the question again who is who is going to be productive this is why you don't let burke drink before the podcast yeah which you th- which guy burke, uh pujols burke or cabrera do you think <laughs> burke, uh, burke is going to be way burke, more productive i am going to be way more productive i'm doing very well in my position underwriting loans um no um To be fair, they're roommates. <laughs> we yeah, don't yeah. know. Oh, hey, hey, I've had, I've had, I've <laughs> no, had male roommates. No, they're I, lovers. I, I have, <laughs> I've had male roommates, and I I'm love. I'm not them. even sure we know if they have genitalia. <laughs> I, I didn't mean to insinuate that. I, I, I've had male roommates, and I love them all dearly. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. you know, absolutely. And so. Like the last six months, what kind of prompted me going to the doctor was I've had two like fainting incidents, the same both times, like the middle of the night, usually after like a, like a day of like drinking, 
get up to take a piss yeah. and like faint like while I'm pissing and like hit the ground. So well, be more hydrated, but also you got to have that. You got that checked, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the first time it was like in a we were in a hotel. We kind of spent the day like drinking and like we're out and uh, like Tammy didn't notice. And the next time it happened, we were in the house and like she like saw me like. So I had these. So I had these things. So I'm like, I'm gonna go to the doctor. I'm gonna have this looked at. And I go in there and I tell him, and he's like, Hey, listen, it's not that uncommon. You know the. Um, reflexes in the veins in your neck slow down as you get older and when you go from like a laying position to a standing position really quick they're just not getting blood to your brain and he told me he's like there's probably nothing to worry about but what i would tell you to do is when you go to the bathroom at night just just sit down and go no. <laughs> no. I, I told him i'm like nodding i'm like yeah, yeah doc that sounds great that's what i'll do how's your vagina <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I'm with people who understand because I got in the car after the doctor's appointment. I called Tammy and I told her, I'm like, I would rather put on a helmet when I get out of bed. <laughs> I am not going to oh be God. sitting down. There is only picturing, I'm picturing you with a huff helmet next to your bed. As you get up, you're like, I got to piss. <laughs> piss helmet i love it yeah. so, oh it's so great there is nothing the only acceptable time for a man to sit down and take a piss is when you're taking a shit that's all right I, so i don't know what to so do so that. my take on it is <laughs> my take on it that's is probably this. getting cut my, my, my take on it is what this yeah. About. yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck I'm talking about? <laughs> so my take on it is this: is I thought you uh, touched the juice three times when you saw him at the bar <laughs> after he was out of jail. Nope, nope. Juice oh. petted my dog, and then walked away. Um, God rest her soul. Molly was kind he, to everybody. Yes, yes she was. <clears throat> Juice petted your dog and your dog died? Well, yeah, like three Allegedly. years later. Oh, okay. Like three years later. <laughs> all right, all right. But still, yeah. Yeah.